All right, welcome to the conversation on the TYT Network. We got a great guest for you guys today. Randy Weingarten is the president of American Federation of Teachers, AFL-CIO. And obviously COVID has hit the schools pretty hard and how it has affected them. And there was a lot of precautions that needed to be taken. So there's a big question as to what we should do with the schools starting in the fall for next year. And obviously, the teacher's voice on that is very important, so we want to bring Randy on. She had a major speech today, Return, Recover, and Reimagine Toward a Renaissance in America's Public Schools. And a lot to ask about there. Randy, welcome back to TYT. Uh, it is always great to see you. How are you? Great, great, great to have you. Good, Thank you. Good. Um, so, I want to get to the reimagining in a second, but you guys are spending mm-hmm. $5 million to make this happen. And pushing for a five day a week full return in the fall. And it's an interesting thing to do from a teacher union's perspective. So tell us why you're doing that. Well, you know, COVID really kind of um, turned everything upside down. It's not that we didn't have inequities beforehand, of course we did. And it's not that. We didn't have lots of challenges and crises before. Um, you know, we are now on the year anniversary of George Floyd's murder. Um, so, you know, there are lots of issues beforehand. But what COVID did was it exacerbated all of the inequalities, and it actually made clear how important in-school learning is. And so, from April of 2020 on. Our union has been trying to figure out not whether to, but how to um, go back to in-school learning because we knew how important that was. And and the safety measures were the vehicle not only back in, but how to stay back in and how to stabilize schooling. And then not just reopen, but really recover for kids and reimagine. And when I say recover, I'm talking about making sure that we have the kind of um, well-being, the kind of uh, support that's needed in the aftermath of a virus that has kept so many people apart, including friends of each other. And, And kids have really suffered because of that. And we need to figure out how to ensure that we give kids next year a great opportunity, including nourishing their well-being and 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 dealing with the academic issues, and at the same time making sure that our you know our our members or educators and paraprofessionals and others feel supported, and that parents and community feel supported. So it's a big deal for next year, and that's part of the reason why we're putting in five million dollars because we know we ought to be all in. But what I'm so surprised about is that if you listen to a minute of what we have said before COVID, of course, in-school learning is important. It just had to be safe, and that's what we're trying to do. Randy, I know the right wing criticized not going fully back into school in some states like California and New York, and and you know, and there was a wide variety of opinions. Which just it wasn't just right wing, but the right wing then. Um, seem to target teachers a little bit as like they're preventing us from coming back. Is this a little bit of a response to that? Uh, Or how else did you fight back on that? 
So look, I, you know, it's I, I find what the right wing is doing um, is hypocritical and is undermining the trust and agency that people need to have. And so, you know, if you actually look at what we've tried to do since last April, April 2020, we've tried to figure out how to reopen schools in person safely. Um, what what the right wing looks for is they always look for wedges. Where I'm very concerned is that parents have watched. You know, there are there are many parents on Twitter or on Facebook in the open schools movement, and they're not right wingers. They just want their kids to have a decent education. And instead of the right wing actually helping us, like we begged the Obama the 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 Trump administration, give us the resources, give us some consistent science advice so that we could rely on and plan on. And they refused to do either one of those things. The Biden administration did that. And you saw the turnaround, particularly in terms of vaccines, since the Biden administration has been there. The bottom line became though, that parents saw their kids um, you know, need to have in school learning. So the right wing exploited the needs of parents to be in school. And yet they didn't do anything while Trump was president to help it. And so my anger is don't blame the teachers who are trying to do everything in their power to engage kids at home, engage kids remotely, being in school with you know social distancing and with masks on and things like that. And, and ultimately, at least the Biden administration really tried to help us. Once we saw that conditions had changed enough, that's when I made the speech. And I made it the day after we had a unanimous resolution from my union to do what I proposed, which is reopen in the fall, five days a week, full time, and also do the things we needed to do to recover and to reimagine. Because we need to make sure we're helping every child get a great education and nurture every child's soul and 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 sense of of of, of self. Yeah. So, Randy, to me, in terms of the reopenings, it was very similar to what you're saying. It depends on if you're vaccinated or not, right? Are, were my parents vaccinated? Would the kids yeah. get something and bring it back to my parents or to us? Were the teachers vaccinated? Uh, we actually care about our teachers. So we wanted to make sure that they were safe, right? But um, now I read that your union is now 89% vaccinated. So that obviously makes a giant, giant difference in how you look at this. And so, Huge. yeah, uh, but I, I want to go to your reimagining point because uh, I'm curious about that. T tell tell us more. What what does it mean to reimagine schools? Can you give any specifics? And and how would the teachers participate in that? So number one. So first off, thanks for actually seeing that the vaccines have been the real game changers, and I'm very, you know, I, I'm awed by the my members because they see this they get it and um you know at the beginning of may we had almost 90% of our members 
um, who were vaccinated. And you can see that it's a big game changer. Doesn't mean that there's not hesitation and you have to meet the hesitation with real facts and with real compassion. Um, and I really believe that we have to do um, vaccines in a voluntary way to really and really meet fear with facts. Having said that, the reimagine part is what, look, I am most animated by because what we want to do is make sure that every single school has services wrapped around it. Keep schools open, not just for academics, but keep them open for um, things like tutoring and after school activities so that parents who work, they know that their kids have um, the kind of activities that they need. But but make sure that schools also um, have issues, have things like um, optometry services so that kids can see the board. Make sure that schools have food services, breakfast, lunch, maybe even dinner. You know, we've served before COVID 30 million school, um, 30 million meals um, for kids every day. Let's make sure that we have those things available. Make sure we have hotspots. Make sure we have the kind of services that communities need so that schools can be foundational to communities. And then next, you know, I happen to love civics. We can see right now why science is so important, whether it's the fires in California and LA, whether it's the vaccines that have been created. Science is really urgent. Why don't we do things like project-based instruction for science and for civics and for art and music? Things that may animate kids to say, I want to be in school instead of focusing on a test. We do this in Career Tech Ed, the old voc ed. And what has happened as a result is we have 95% graduation rate in terms of Career Tech Ed programs. Because kids see that they can do projects, they can work together. They see a sense of self and a sense of, of, of accomplishment. Let's actually change the accountability systems to do these kind of things. And while we're at it, let's make sure schools are welcoming and safe environments for all kids. So regardless of who you are, regardless of where you're from, how do we make sure that we have the kind of culturally relevant materials so that no one feels invisible. This is what I mean about reimagining school. All right, uh, there's uh, on another day we'll have to get <laughs> into uh, you know how long should the kids stay in school because we have this system where they're done around two o'clock roughly across the nation. And I wish parents were done at two o'clock, but we're not. <laughs> and so that's a whole nother issue. But Randy, we'll have to have you back on to talk about that. Uh, Randy Weingarten, head of the American Federation of Teachers. Thank you so much for joining us, we appreciate it. Thank you. All right, back on the conversation on the TYT network. Uh, well, the thing they want to discuss right now is what do you do with a problem like Mansion um, and cinema? And by the way, other corporate Democrats that are hiding right now. Uh, and that's a problem for the entire Democratic Party and certainly for progressives because we can't get anything passed without President Manchin approving and Vice President Cinema. So we're gonna bring on Max Burns, national political columnist for the Daily Beast uh, to talk about different ideas on uh, what we can do to influence them. So Max, welcome to UIT. 
Thanks for having me. No problem. All right, you wrote an article with a simple idea. Share it with us. Yeah, we've heard quite a bit recently from Joe Manchin and from Kristen Cinema about how bipartisanship is the solution to all of our worries. What we haven't seen, however, is any attempt to actually deliver on those big words. So Senate Democrats can put it plainly to Manchin and Cinema, put up or shut up. If you can't bring along 10 Republicans to pass voting rights, we're prepared to move on without you. So Max, that's so logical that of course it won't happen. So then that leads to the next question, which is, okay, but let's keep it real. Why isn't Biden putting any pressure on him? Or does he think he is? And Tian Crumpets is his version of pressure. Well, let's start there and there's more after that. Yeah, and I think we've seen that President Biden really likes to use within the party the the honey approach, the carrot approach over the stick. He's had private calls with Cinema with Mansion. Kristen Cinema was invited to the White House to talk about her opposition to a different bill, the infrastructure bill. Joe Manchin has been very closely courted on all of these issues, and I think it's fair to say that Joe Biden has done more than most presidents would to try and reach out and bring these sort of conservative obstructionist Democrats back into the fold. But they don't seem to be especially interested in passing any kind of legislation. So at this point, unfortunately, you really have to treat them like something that needs more of a direct approach and more of an incentive that comes in the form of mobilizing the Democratic base. Yeah, Joe Biden's administration's over now. So let's just be honest about that. He he doesn't have the you could say backbone, and then they'll get super offended by that. But it's just not in his nature to stand up and fight fellow Democrats, let alone Republicans. He barely ever fights anybody. So Manchin's blocking for the People Act. I mean, that was the bare minimum. That was table stakes for the Democratic Party. Fifteen dollar minimum wage was table stakes for the progressives. But I knew we weren't gonna get table stakes, of course not, right? So if, and and so this is leading to the question of, we tried tea and crumpets, it didn't work. It was never going to work. It's not the correct political strategy. Asking politicians pretty please is just silly, it's a waste of time. So do you think there's any hope that the Biden administration will say, no, Joe, I'm not going to, and let you end my tenure as president, I'm gonna fight you. Yeah, I would love to hope that. We've seen very little evidence of that, unfortunately. And I think you're right, to a large extent, Joe Biden doesn't seem to understand how deep the rifts are in the party that he now presides over, how hungry activists and rank and file voters are for Democrats to make good on their promises. And that's especially true with voting rights. I mean, there are black and brown Americans across this country who are paying the price for turning Georgia blue by losing their right to vote in the latest round of GOP led attacks on voting rights. Democrats have said that they were going to protect them, that they would stand behind them. And yet, looking behind these voters, there's no one to be found. And this is not an issue that can afford to wait. Democrats need to act or they're going to face the justified fury of their voters in 2022. 
So, Max, I don't know if you can get a sense of this. Do you have any sense of whether anyone in Washington understands that? Because everyone outside of Washington gets it and is screaming at the top of their lungs, do something, do something. But in Washington, including all the way through to progressives, they seem like, we're FDR, we don't actually, did FDR actually get anything passed? We don't have to get anything passed, do we? We did an infrastructure. I mean, we did a COVID relief bill, which almost any president would have done. Can't I retire? Like, do you have a sense of whether they really? Because Washington bubble. This is a real question because the Washington bubble is so thick. Any sense of whether its reality has penetrated it? It is thick, and it convinces you that you're crazy to care about the things you care about. We see this with a lot of great reformers who go to Washington. Right now, I would say Cori Bush is really leading a push on, on for the People Act, for voting rights in general, and has remained a very vocal and unapologetic voice for those forgotten constituents. Even now, as we're starting to see Democrats splinter a little bit on voting rights, we now have three essentially competing voting rights bills in the Senate, cinemas, mansions, and the rest of the Democratic parties. And there's not really been a strong liberal voice saying we need to conference and get this done by the end of June. Because if we continue to wait, Republicans will have chipped away voting rights to the point where there's nothing left. We're just not seeing that urgency and it's hard to explain why. Yeah, look, the voting rights measures are table stakes because not only are they the right thing to do and deliver for your core constituency, but it actually would help Democrats win. So if they yep. can't even pass things that are to their own advantage, their incompetence will know no bounds at all. And so, look, I say all the time we gotta fight. Progressives used to say that we gotta fight. And people thought, oh, yep. you guys are venting, etc. But Max, is there how much of an impact would it make if, let's just take the simplest version of the fight. If Joe Biden did a press conference and said, Joe Manchin and Chris Sinema keep telling me that we can get 10 Republican votes for any kind of weak compromise I don't even agree with. But I've yet to see them get more than one vote on any bill. So if they don't put up 10 votes, as your article suggests, yeah. um, then I'm gonna tell Joe Manchin and Chris Sinema they better get rid of the filibuster. Otherwise, they've blocked the entire Democratic agenda and they have done more harm than any Republican in the country. Now, if he did that, what do you yeah. think would happen? I think that the move would be seismic. I mean, it, to some extent, Joe Biden almost doesn't seem to appreciate the power he holds as the President of the United States. Um, and, and there have been activists who have been concerned that the President seems very willing to let the Senate do its own thing. He says he wants them to come to their own bill. Uh, he wants this to be a product of bipartisanship. But what we need and what we lacked the last four years is leadership from the White House. And to be quite honest, the idea that the GOP is interested in bipartisanship on voting rights, when even today they cannot condemn or even acknowledge the insurrection that took place because of them is delusional. And it will get us nowhere but wondering why all of our voters can't vote in two years. You'd almost have to have dementia to think that the Republicans would agree to a voting rights bill. A voting rights bill, when they're doing voter suppression all across the country, pass over 300 bills to suppress voters in all those states. You think they'll work with you, you'll find 10 Republicans to work with you? No, nobody can believe that, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So, it, yeah. and, and so, 
Because look, I knew they would take out the $15 minimum wage from the COVID relief bill. I said it on air before they took it out, well before, as they were taking it out, I said it all along because I'm right and everybody in Washington is wrong. That's just a fact, okay? They, they, because they're, the, the Democrats are controlled by corporations. They're not gonna put something that the Chamber of Commerce doesn't agree with, right? And, but I thought that they would pass some version of voting rights because it's to their advantage. And, and I, and I said on the show that they would get rid of the anti-corruption parts of HR1. And of course, Manchin is saying get rid of every anti-corruption measure in HR1. But Max, it requires someone with backbone in DC to say that guy's corrupt. He's taking out the anti-corruption parts of the bill because he's corrupt. But including my the progressives that I love, there isn't a single person in Washington who's going to say that about Joe Manchin, is there? That's true, and it's it's shocking because, as you mentioned, not only is this a political winner, it's an ethical and moral issue. I mean, we're we're bemoaning that Joe Manchin says he can only find one Republican to support his bill, when in fact he's talking about Lisa Murkowski. If you read the statement they released, she never actually said she supported a Democratic bill. She supported the principle, and that's because she said she won't vote for a Democratic bill. Looking for this bipartisanship, when 60% of Republicans almost support parts of the infrastructure bill, when a majority of Republican voters support making it easier to vote, even if their senators don't. We're looking at the wrong crowd. We're forgetting who brought Democrats to Washington. Those are the same people who are not going to be able to vote because Republicans have gotten their act together and they're making certain that they pass legislation this year to stop it. So look, I think everybody's at fault, Biden's at fault, progressives in Congress are at fault for not calling out their colleagues. For God's sake, get to work already, okay? But bottom line that I wanna add here is actually the last layer of this, Max, which is that if they don't even pass the voting rights provisions that aren't about corruption, but that are about actually getting more people to vote, that means they're not just corrupted. It means they are actually, in fact, incompetent. They're not just paid to lose, they actually suck at this thing. Am I seeing it wrong? Or Because that's so much in their self-interest, I can't believe they're not doing it. Yeah, it makes me wish that back in the founding when George Mason had said it should be possible to remove members of government for incompetence, that we'd just gone with it. Because we may be in a much better position today if we remove these Democrats who can't seem to see the political writing directly in front of them, that's being shouted at them every day. And yet we're still trying to please people who only want to dismantle our democracy. We need to start looking at the people who brought us to Washington. All right, we'll have Max's column down below if you're watching this later on YouTube or Facebook. Just hit the link in the description box from the Daily Beast. Max, thank you for joining us, we appreciate it. Thanks for having me.